Thank you, Becky, and thank you, Faith and Angelina. Appreciate that immensely. Uh, core values for Christ followers. Uh, number nine, uh, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Fortunately, uh, it's been a really long time since I've been in a court of law for any reason. Uh, but based on what I grew up watching on television, uh, when they called you up on the witness stand, they would have you place your left hand on a Bible, raise your right hand, and swear to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help you God. Anybody know if they still do that? Todd's been in court. I'm glad Todd's the only one who raised his hand, but anyway, I, we assume he's been there in a work capacity, but anyway, all right. So here's my question. Um, as we look at core value number nine, do you think God's standards are higher than those of our legal system or lower? Higher? So if the whole truth and nothing but the truth is good enough for our court system, how much more important should it be in the life of the Christ follower? More or less important? Okay. Uh, core value number six, or excuse me, number nine, uh, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 16, it simply says, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. And I will simply say, virtually every source that I checked uh, was inclined to interpret that rather than restricting the meaning to simply the narrow definition of testifying in court. They felt it was more accurate to apply it to the broader issue of honesty in all things. Thus making the commandment more like what Becky covered, you shall not lie. Or to put it in the positive context, you shall be honest. Remember what I've said over and over and over again over the past weeks, that forever thou shalt not, there are some thou shalls that are implied. In this case, it's you shall be honest. Many, many years ago, someone reported that 90% of Americans describe themselves as Christians. I think that number might be different today, but just bear with me. 90% of the people at that time proclaimed to be Christians. However, 36% of the people said lying is sometimes necessary. So if my math is correct, that's 25% of people who say they are Christ followers also say lying is necessary. Seeing a bit of a disconnect from this core value. But what's more troubling is that 71% said they expected instances of lying, cheating, or stealing in the future. Yes, I follow Jesus, but there's a really, really good chance I'm going to lie to you. I might even steal from you, and I'll probably cheat you if I get the chance. I suspect the only thing that has changed in those numbers is the number of people who self-identify as Christ followers. I would simply divide my message today into two simple parts, and we're going to get right after it. The first is inspiration. In John chapter 8, uh, there's a story, and it goes like this. Jesus said to them, If God were your Father, you would love me, for I have come from God, and I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say? You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. 
He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Can any one of you prove me guilty of sin? If I'm telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God, here's what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. So, if Satan is the father of lies, and God is the author of truth, who's your dad? <laughs> Do you consistently tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth to your boss, to your coworkers, to your neighbors, to your spouse, to your children, to your friends, to your parents, to yourself? I don't even remember the show, but I remember there was a, a sitcom sometime this past year. I have to confess, I have a bit of COVID brain, so I can't tell you which one it was, or I can't tell you when it took place. But it was a bunch of parents talking about parenting. And the comment was made, which was hilariously received, is that's what parents do. They lie to their kids. And that was funny. Just saying. Based on your level of consistent honesty, who is your father? Do you consistently resist the temptation to embellish or delete relevant information in order to make yourself look better? Are the words, pictures, videos you post, share, tweet an accurate reflection of reality or the truth? Again, I say it over and over again, I'm, old, I'm an old timer. There was a point in time, if you saw a picture, and then if you saw a video, you knew that it was true. But now, with the wonders of video editing, that's not necessarily so. Are the words, pictures, videos you post, share, tweet, an accurate reflection of reality? And I will simply say, this is not going to get any easier. It's only going to get more challenging. Are you disciplined enough to resist the temptation to retell a rumor as if it were a fact. We all hear way too much about fake news. And I can just say that makes core value number nine all the more important. Some of you have no doubt heard me say before that I strongly believe integrity and honesty are two of the primary characteristics in the life of a Christ follower. They are essential if we are to be the shining lights in a crooked and depraved generation the scripture calls us to be. In today's world of facades and deceptions, people notice those with integrity and honesty. The author of Hebrews says it this way. He said, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And again, friends, I hope that grabs your attention. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And I don't think it's a stretch for me to say that there can be no holiness in this life unless one is committed to honesty and integrity. Integrity, one definition, talks about complete, sound, incorruptible. Honesty is referred to as simply being truthful or untainted. So I asked this kind of question last week about the topic of last week. But if we're based solely upon your honesty, 
Would those who know you best classify you as a child of God or as a descendant from the father of lies? Simple application. Nothing profound here. Where the rubber meets the road, where this core value must shape every aspect of our daily lives. Just flat out lies. It's uncomfortable. But we have to be honest with ourselves at least and say based on God's standard, there's no place for lying in the life of a Christ follower. And I suspect I'm not the only one that feels this way. But it can be incredibly sobering to realize how easily we can start to rationalize and justify to the point that we begin to believe our own lies. Proverbs is called wisdom literature, and it speaks a lot to this issue. Proverbs chapter 6, starting with verse 16. <clears throat> there are six things the Lord hates and sevens that are detestable to him. If, if I just said that, and you didn't know where I was going with that, I think all of us would say, if God hates it, and it's excuse me, I can't say the word, detestable to him, I would like to think we'd say, I don't want any part of that. But obviously, I tipped my hand, you know where I'm going with this. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. A list of things that God finds detestable, and the most consistent theme in there is lying and deceit. It's interesting. I have a friend who's had a successful business career. And I was talking to him one time a number of years ago, um, trying to share my perspective on the faith. And he said from a businessman's perspective, that the most consistent time, or most of the times, that someone had sought to take advantage of him in a business deal, it was someone who professed to be a Christ follower. Can I just say that that made my attempt to share my faith a real daunting task? We have to be known for something different. If it's not flat-out lies, and how about half-truths and manipulating the truth? Have you ever noticed how deleting a word here or there can make the truth, the truth, a whole lot more appealing? How about this one, parents? How were your grades? Mostly A's and B's. Right? Mostly A's and B's. Now, what does that mean? It could mean one A, a couple of B minuses, and a couple of A. Right? That's mostly A's and B's. True? Now, you and I both know if it was all A's and B's, there would be no problem saying, oh man, it's A's and B's. 
if it was 1A, excuse me, if it was 5As and 1B, would it be mostly A's and B's or would it be A's? You, you hear what I'm saying? And you can fit that into wherever you want in your work, all right? Just leave it there. Or I'll pick on somebody that I know. How many fish did you catch? <laughs> Fishermen know the deal. A nice mess, huh? A nice mess. Now, if they're really biting, a nice mess can be a hobo. If they're not biting, a nice mess can be, I caught a fish. Now, obviously, whether somebody lies about catching fish or not, the only reason that matters is that they're in a tournament and, and trying to steal money. How many were in church? Eh, about 150. And in preacher speak, that means anything north of 100 was probably about 150, because we only count in 50 increments, all right? <laughs> Friends, you know your world. You know where the temptation lies. And I suspect as I talk about half-truths, you may have also noticed that, that we can even use our body language and our intonation to help manipulate the truth. If somebody's trying to sell you something and they lean in close and put their hand on your shoulder, it's probably going to be a lie what comes next. All right? To those of you that sell stuff, I'm sorry if I offended you. But you and I both know uh, there's a preacher joke about a preacher who put in his notes, this is a weak point, talk loud. All right? We, we know the drill. But we're called to something better. And then there's the wonder of gossip, magnifying, sensationalizing, sensualizing, sharing partial information as if it were the whole story. Friends, questions we need to ask ourselves to be people of integrity, to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth. What is my motive? Is it my business to share in the first place? Is it my listener's business? Do they need to know this? Am I violating your confidence? Would it be better left unsaid? Is it edifying or uplifting for those involved? Proverbs addresses this. A gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. There's nothing more to add to that. You know, there are a couple ways to make yourself look better. One is to work really, really hard to be better. The other is to tear everybody else down. Then there's speak the truth in love comes from Ephesians chapter 4. And the, and the first part of this, to me, this is kind of the path to maturity as a Christ follower is built upon truth. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And a part of that work is becoming people of truth. And we will never attain spiritual maturity if the truth is not a guiding principle in our lives. And then the passage continues a few verses later, and to me, then it transitions into reminding us that the path to unity is also built on truth. 
You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. It's interesting. I, I've never looked at it from this perspective. But if we're members of one body, and I lie to you, I'm hurting the whole body of which I am a part. Kind of a sobering thought. And I just want to say, in the life of a Christ follower, the truth should always be a tool of restoration and never a weapon of destruction. The objective is to speak truth as a means of restoration. Can those, again following after the pattern from last week, can those who know you best count on you to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth? Or is there always a little bit and eh, wonder about that? Can those with whom you work count on you to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth? Can those with whom you do business count on you to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth? Can those with whom you worship count on you to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth? And most importantly, can the one who gave his life for you on the cross count on you to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth? Would you pray with me? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to pray anyway. <laughs>
think win-win. It, it speaks of you shall not covet. You shall not be, as the Childers put it, uh, we shouldn't be jealous. We need to be at a point where if someone else is successful, I'm thrilled. If someone else has something that I don't, I can be happy for them instead of thinking I should have it. I remember years ago, anybody, again, I keep doing this to myself, I don't know why, but anybody remember a cartoon that used to be in the newspaper, you know that thing that they printed and stuff? And it was called Frank and Ernest. Uh, all right, there's a Frank and Ernest, and, and it was somebody talking to, you know, Moses had the, the tablets with him, and somebody was looking up at him and saying, but if we can't cover, what will come of the economy? I, and, uh, you know, yeah, it took a minute, I know, but, uh, but, but we need to be people who accept God's generosity to us and also accept his generosity to others. And we need to be comfortable with other people having stuff we don't. Just like we want them to be comfortable if we have stuff they don't. And we can't allow that to consume us. And we should not allow that to drive our economy. So um, I just wanted to throw that out there and let you know it's not like I forgot that one. Uh, but it just logistically it just made sense uh, not to plug that in. Uh, before we're done today, we're going to take just one brief moment. Uh, and not right, maybe about a minute and a half, actually, not a brief moment, I'll tell the truth. Uh, <laughs> and, and we're going to listen to Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 17, just to kind of put a wrap on this. Uh, but so 